Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to the Story Church Podcast. Our podcast features audio from Sunday mornings at Story Church in Peru, Indiana, a community on the mission of connecting people's story to God's story. If you'd like to connect with us further, check out storyperu.com. Our hope is that today's episode helps you take your next step on your faith journey. What we're talking about today is wrapping up uh, this series uh, called Money, If Money Talked. And uh, to be honest, uh, the cold weather does have a little bit to do with what we're going to talk about today. Because to start, I want to give you some information. You may already know this, but if you don't, this will be fun for you to take to your coworkers tomorrow and they'll think that you're really smart and you know a whole lot about science and how things work because I have a cold weather fact for you. Did you know that it is easier to stay warm than it is to get warm? Like, like physically, how all that works, that it is easier to stay warm than it is to get warm because if you let yourself get really cold and then uh, your body has to play catch up to try and warm itself up, your body burns more fuel doing that catch up than it would if you just stayed warm along the way. Maybe that seems obvious, but your blood vessels uh, near the skin, they start to contract because that pulls some fuel into your body to create heat and it stresses your nervous system. And so all of it just makes you work harder if you get really, really cold and then have to try and get warm again. And the same thing is true about your money, sort of. And that's where we're going to be in just a minute. But uh, in case you've slept since then, to give you a recap of where we've been in this series, we're asking the question, what would money say to us if our money could talk? If our money could like, pull up the chair next to us and give us a download of how things are going or talk to us about our relationship? And uh, the reality is some of us would probably rather money didn't talk, right? Some of us know what money would say and it's a little uncomfortable. Maybe money uh, would sound like your scolding parent because like they're not mad, they're just disappointed and they know what you've been up to with money. Or if not, like even if you're in good shape financially or whatever that looks like, I think when we think about what money would say to us if money could talk, it seems obvious. Like money would probably give us pretty obvious financial advice that we should probably save a little more, that maybe in certain areas we should spend a little less, that it's good to be generous and to give. And so what we said throughout this series is that the shocking thing or the surprising part about what we're talking about isn't necessarily what money would say if money could talk, but what's surprising is the parallel between what money would say if money could talk and what Jesus did say when Jesus did talk and walk this earth. And you may not know this, we don't always talk about it often and we don't always like to talk about it, but Jesus talked about money often. And so what we said uh, in week one of this series, we looked at one of the things money would tell us and we said that money would tell you and would tell me that I can add meaning to your life, but I'm not the meaning of life. That, that money can be useful, money can be, can be valuable, money can be meaningful, but money is not the meaning of life. And so what we said is that money actually becomes meaningful in our lives when it is leveraged as a means to an end that goes beyond us. And we said that that's actually the thing that makes life, or really makes anything, meaningful is if there's a means to an end beyond you. And so uh, I left you with a question on week one to wrestle with, and that question was this, to what ends do you want your life to be a means? To what ends do you want your life to be a means? Or, or in other words, what do you want your life to count for? What do you want your life to ultimately be all about? And, and it can be multiple things, right? Maybe it's being a great parent. Maybe it is investing in the community. Maybe it's something within our faith community. Uh, but either way, that question that has nothing to do with money, answering that question can actually clarify our relationship with our money because when you begin to answer that question, your money will follow. And, and when you know what you want your life to count for, you know where to direct your money in a way that makes it meaningful because it will last 
beyond you. So that was week one. Uh, last week, we said another thing that money might tell us is this, that I am a better servant than I am a master. Th- that I'm a better servant than I am a master. And, and maybe the tension-filled part of that that we talked about was this. We said that money would say that your self-control and my self-control determines who gets control. That if we don't actually have control over our own appetites, and if we don't prioritize things in a certain way, money can actually control us, and rather than us having money, money can have us. And so we talked about how we might need to flip the script, that many of us, if we don't have a plan or we've never prioritized, we tend to spend our money through three priorities. We live first, we save a little if there's any left over, and then we give if there's anything left over after that. But last week, we said that, that seeking Jesus' kingdom first, the others and God first kingdom, means that we have to flip the script on that, that we should plan to give first, a percentage of our income. In fact, I challenged you, uh, if you haven't done this yet, uh, over the next two months, I challenged you, what if you intentionally gave a percentage of your income away to a worthy cause first? And to be clear, I didn't say that had to be Story Church, okay? We are welcome to, but you don't have to because it's not about the money. It's about the priority and it's about what it does to our hearts. And so we said we should organize our lives by giving first and saving second and then living within our means on the rest. And it was, again, this tension-filled thing because what we essentially said is that our money problems often begin with our character rather than our income. That the problem isn't necessarily how much we make, but it's what we do with how much we make. And so as we're wrapping this whole conversation up today, uh, here's a third thing that money might say to you and might say to me today. Money would tell us, I'm easy to keep up with, but I'm difficult to catch up with. I'm easy to keep up with, but I'm difficult to catch up with. Or maybe another uh, way that money would say this to us would be to say this, you need to keep up or you'll be playing catch up. And this is like staying warm, right? It's easier to stay warm than to get warm again. And it's easier to stay caught up with your money than to play catch up with your money along the way. Because just like trying to get warm takes a ton of energy and, and it, like, it's hard on our bodies to get warm again, it's hard on us if we feel like we constantly have to play catch up with our money. If you don't know where your money's going, it, it can be difficult, it can be stressful, it, it's what makes the conversation so loaded and tension-filled. And maybe today it's why you're like, why did I show up for the money series next week's Christmas? Like, I should have waited. But uh, it, it can be so tension-filled And I'm gonna make it a little more tension-filled because the hard truth for me and for you is this, we really don't have any excuse to not know where our money is going. We really don't have any reasonable excuse to not know where our money is going. When it comes to our money, we should never have to say things like, well, it seems to me like it's gone here, or or, or like, uh, I'm not sure where it went, or or, that can't be where it went, right? We, We shouldn't use language like that as it relates to our money because there are some things in life that have an element of mystery just like baked into them. Relationships are that way. Our faith can be that way, right? Uh, if you have a middle schooler, there is mystery abounding in your household, right? Like, like some things are, are hard to navigate, but there should be no mystery about where your money is going because you probably know how much you make, right? A specific amount comes in and then what happens to it? You send it somewhere, right? And I send it somewhere. It doesn't go anywhere on its own without you sending it there. And a really cheesy way for you to remember this, there's gonna be a few rhymes along the way today, so that's just for you, I guess. Uh, We could say it this way. We should all be knowing where our money is going. (laughs) We we should be knowing where our money's going. It shouldn't be a mystery because what happens is when we lose track, money takes over. When we lose track, our, our anxiety rises. And if you've ever been in that situation, you've probably experienced that before. You feel out of control. 
And, and if your money and my money started talking to us today, I, I think our money would tell us, I'm easy to track, but if you lose track of me, then you'll lose your peace of mind. And if you've ever been in a situation like that, and, and probably all of us have at some capacity where we suddenly looked back uh, after a few months of spending and went, uh-oh, right? that's, that's where it went. You know that feeling, that, that if you lose track, you'll lose your peace of mind along the way. And so the point today, I'm going to get to it early, it, it's that we all need a plan to track our spending, whether you have a lot or, or you feel like you have a little. We all need a plan, and, and some of us, if you feel like you just have a little, you're like, I don't need a plan, I just need more. <laughs> I don't need a plan, I'm just trying to make ends meet uh, week after week or month over month. Or maybe you're here and you're like, no, I've got enough that I don't need a plan, right? Like, I know what I live on, and then there's all that rest that I have, and it's fine. Like, we're fine, we make ends meet. Either way, to really steward our money well, to have a healthy relationship with our money, we all need to have a plan to track and keep track of where our spending is happening and where our money is going. And to be really clear, I'm not just talking about a budget. Okay, like a budget is a good thing to have. A budget's an important thing to have. But do you know what a budget is? A budget is essentially a theory. A and it is a theory that rarely reflects reality. Because maybe you sing your budget song and you sit down uh, with the people that you live with and you, you like make a plan, whether it's quarterly or, or monthly or, or just once a year or once every few years or whatever it is for you. Uh, you sit down and you make a plan, but do you know what your plan can't necessarily include? Life, right? Y your plan can't necessarily include unexpected things that happen along the way. And so a budget is great, but a budget assumes a specific future and it's good for estimating, it's a great starting point, but budgets don't like update in real time. Right? Budget, budgets don't just take care of themselves, it's a great starting point, but do you know where budgets tend to live? They live in a folder on your desktop, whether that's like literally pen and paper folder on your desktop or somewhere on your computer. You sat down and you did it once and maybe you were really good, you like broke out Microsoft Excel for the first time since high school or college and you made like colored tabs and you had all your categories and you were so proud of yourself and you did amazing. You need something more dynamic than that because life happens. Unexpected things happen. Unexpected expenses come up. And if you're not regularly tracking where your money is going, then it's easy to be ruled by your money. I it's easy to feel out of control and to lose your peace of mind. We all need a simple way to track our actual spending. And I was thinking about uh, my relationship with like tracking my own money. And uh, I'm not that old, but when I first started tracking money, uh, there weren't as many tools and platforms available as there are now. So I remember sitting down with a piece of paper, like a notebook, a little college ruled notebook. I should have got graph paper, it would have been easier. But uh, I sat down and I pulled up my bank account and like I would started to say, okay, where did it go? And there weren't a lot of expenses back then, but I had to put some effort into it. And if you remember those days before all the tools we have, like you had to work at it to keep track of where your money is going. Now there are so many resources available and so many tools that make it so easy to track our money. And if you develop this habit, if you actually put this into practice in your life, then there's no guessing about where your money goes, right? right? There's no seeming, there's less wondering and less worrying if you actually know where your money is going. You ready for some more cheesy rhymes that kind of illustrate this? Okay, you're, you'll love this one. That when you know you're gonna log it, you're less inclined to hog it, right? You know you're gonna log it, you're gonna keep track of it, then you're less inclined to just make it all about you. Or another way to say that, it's when you know you're gonna record it, you're more inclined to consider if you can afford it, okay? Like you, you actually put the intentionality behind it, and I know that's cheesy, but my point is logging your money, keeping track of where your money's going. It has the same effect that logging anything else does. 
I thought about asking the room, like, hey, has anybody ever used an app to like track your calories or track what you're eating? And I was like, that might be a little too personal. She's like, yeah, I need to lose weight. But like, uh, I've used one before, maybe you have too. If you've ever done that before, uh, then you know that it actually can impact your behavior if you take it seriously. Uh, there was a few months, a couple years ago, where uh, my wife and I decided we were going to try and be keto. So that's like a well, high fat, high protein, low carb diet. And so you have to track those things. You have to pay attention to what you're eating. And it was great. Like we were healthy and then life continued on and here we are back to normal. But uh, man, when I was doing that, I had that app, right? And the app would break down what percentage of what like went into all of the food that I was eating. And you know what happened? When I was logging it, it shaped my choices. Because if I wanted to take it seriously, I knew if I ate certain things, I was done for the day, <laughs> right? Like I, I couldn't keep going, I couldn't eat anymore. You pay attention to it because you log it. And the same thing can be true for our money. If we track what we're spending and where we're spending, then we pay attention to the choices that we're making and we feel the weight of the choices that we're making. And this is true, like I said, whether you have little money or a lot of money, because in those paycheck to paycheck seasons, and we'll all go through seasons like that, where money gets tighter, where something unexpected happens, in those paycheck to paycheck seasons, this habit takes the pressure off. It, it doesn't make it any less difficult. It doesn't make, that it's not like you're gonna magically have more money if you keep track of where your money is going, but it does take the pressure off because it takes the guesswork out of where your money is going. And so if you're in a season, maybe because of a job loss, maybe some kind of a health circumstance or the heater went out or whatever it may be, you're navigating something and you know you have to make cutbacks, keeping track of where your money is going doesn't make cutting back any less painful but it does make it easier because you know what you can cut and where you can cut back. But the same thing is true on the opposite side as well. In those years of plenty, when we have more than we need and things are going really well for us, this habit of tracking where your money is going, it puts a healthy pressure on us. It puts a healthy pressure on us because if you have more than you need, but you're actually tracking your resources and where you're going, as you accumulate and as you earn more, you'll be confronted with how much you're spending on yourself if you're really paying attention. You'll be confronted with where your money is going and you'll be confronted with how little you actually give if you do the math. And it might be embarrassing, it might feel tension filled, but it can actually be motivating and inspiring too to, to shape and create the kind of lives that we want to have. It can take the pressure off of practicing generosity if you're actually tracking where your resources are going. And here's just a simple reality. It's that the more that you have and the more that you make, then you should pay closer attention to where it's going. The more that you have, you actually should pay closer attention to where it's going. Not necessarily because you have to, but because it's in your best interest to. It's in your best interest to make choices. And if you're not careful, we can all fall into doing what Jesus talked about when he said that we can store up treasures here on earth that don't last and, and that ultimately we won't be proud of at the end of the day. We can fall into collecting stuff just because we can and miss out on living the life that we actually want. Because the thing about human nature is, if you have more, you're typically less careful. I'm typically less careful. If you have more, we're typically less careful. Think about like clean water. Right? We have abundant access to clean water around here, and that's why oftentimes you'll leave the, the faucet running when you step away to the fridge. Right? You're just wash, it's just a second, but it's just running and running and running. Or if you've ever washed your car and you just like toss the hose down and it was just running and running and running or, or whatever it may be, we've all just left the water running because we have more water than we need. But there are places in the world where if people saw like your faucet just running with clean water, they'd be like, you're crazy. 
because it's so valuable to them and it's so scarce to them. My point is that often if you have more, you're less careful. And if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, man, that can't be us. That can't be us. We can't let it slip. We can't be just unintentional and, and, and just kind of go through the motions as it relates to this. But we have to track and we have to pay attention to where our money is going. And, and so I want to give you a, another challenge today, and I'm going to give it to you a little early today. Uh, last week I gave you a challenge over the next two months. What if you reorganized your priorities and you gave a percentage of your income away somewhere worthy first, and then you saved, and then you lived on the rest? Uh, we said for the next two months, which is November and December, what if... Uh, as it relates to our conversation today, what if for the next two months you decided to document your spending, to actually keep track of where it's all going? And I know that's painful because it's November and December, right? <laughs> this is like the big spending, hopefully big giving months for a lot of us. But what if you actually spied on your money? Like you actually kept track of where it was going and you followed it and you saw what it was up to. And there's all kinds of different ways that you could do this. Uh, you can sign up for a Google account and create a Google Doc and use a spreadsheet and you can share it with your, your husband or your wife or your roommate or whoever it may be, like somebody who could keep you accountable and, and share the conversation with you. You can use software like the Cash App or Venmo or there's all kinds of different options where you can keep track of where your money is going. But find a way... What if for the next two months you found a way to just get it right there where you can see it and you can see where your money is going and you logged it for two months and you sat down and you actually looked at it and after all that time, you made adjustments as necessary. What if for two months you kept track of where it was going? If you're married or, or in a serious relationship, uh, there's probably one of you right now who loves me and it's like, finally, like we can have the conversation. And then there's probably one of you that hates me right now uh, because that's just how relationships work. Like opposites tend to attract in that way along the way. And sometimes uh, people will give an objection to this and they'll say, well, hey, my credit card keeps track of all my transactions, right? My American Express, I can just log on online and I can see where it all went. Here's what I would say to you. There's a difference between what you can know and what you do know, right? And so knowing that you can know is not the same thing as knowing. Knowing that you can know where your money's going isn't the same thing as actually knowing where it's going. And, and listen, we're like 20 minutes into this thing, okay? Uh, you may be like, hey, this is great, but I have a dad, and, and like I took basic math. <laughs> Where's the sermon part of this? Okay, like this feels practical, and thanks for the reminder, but like there's not a lot of Jesus in here yet. We're gonna get there. Because although this is practical, and if you don't believe in Jesus, you can just do this and track your money, and it'll be a good thing for you. For Jesus followers, this goes beyond practical, and it goes beyond just helpful. And here's why I say that. Because if you're here and, and you're a follower of Jesus, then uh, you probably have like, had a moment where you put your faith, your trust, in him. Uh, the way that John, one of Jesus' closest followers, recorded it, he, he recorded this conversation that uh, Jesus was having with a religious leader named Nicodemus. And they were talking about what was at the heart of why Jesus came to this earth and, and what Jesus' life was ultimately all about. And, and Jesus was explaining it to him. And then John, if you read through uh, the Gospel of John, at this moment, it's almost like John gets so excited about what Jesus was here to do, he like jumps the gun and just wants everybody to know. But it's this famous verse uh, that we've probably all heard or seen at a football game in the eye black or whatever it is. It says this, that for God so loved the world that he gave. And for many of us, that concept of how far God would go to have a relationship with us, that shaped our relationship with him. 
that led us to put our trust in Jesus and to let Jesus actually shape and, and mold our lives and our faith. And, and because of that, you've allowed Jesus to shape your perspective on what God is like. You call God your heavenly father because Jesus taught us that that's how we could address him. And you learned how to pray in the way that Jesus said, where he says, our father in heaven, holy is your name, right? And maybe you're at a space where you've trusted Jesus with your eternity based on what he's taught. Here's the question. Why wouldn't you lean just as heavily on him in what he said about money and possessions? We talked about this a little bit last week, but many of us, we're followers of Jesus, like we're all in, but we are far more willing to trust Jesus with our eternity than we are with our money. We are far more willing to trust Jesus if we're sick or we know someone who's sick, like we'll shoot up that prayer in a heartbeat and be like, God, help me, God, heal me, God, heal my friend. Like we trust him with our sickness, but we won't trust him with our stuff. Uh, So many of us, like parents, you trust God with your children. You're like, hey, I've got a prodigal, like God, I need help and you'll pray for them and you'll pray for them and you'll hope that they'll come back and you'll trust God with your children, but not with your cash. It seems kind of crazy when we frame it in that way, but I think one reason that we invite him into all of those categories is because if we're honest with ourselves, we know that we can't actually control any of those categories, right? Like eternity, I don't know, right? I mean, I've got thoughts, but like, I don't know. Or, or like sickness, sometimes that feels bigger than us, right? Our kids, I don't, we try, right? But we know if we're honest, all of those things are out of our control. And this is where Jesus is brilliant because money is completely under your control. You're the one who sends it wherever it goes. And Jesus knew that your money is the spot where the rubber will meet the road for your faith. That, that your money is actually the arena of your life where you will have the most competition for being fully devoted to God. And do you know what Jesus said about your money and my money? Jesus said, it's actually not yours and it's actually not mine. We are managers. We're not owners of the resources that we have. And in fact, here's the sermon part, okay? In Matthew uh, chapter 25, Jesus uh, does this series of teachings and tells stories about what the kingdom of God is like or the kingdom of heaven is like. But the kingdom of heaven, it's not just some place you go at the end of this life where you spend time with God. As Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God, he was talking about a right here, right now, possible and present reality where God gets his way, where life looks like God wants it to look like. And in one of these stories, uh, Jesus starts to talk about our relationship with stuff. And it's a famous story. If you've been around church, you've probably heard it. It's famous enough, I'm not even going to read the whole thing to you because Jesus gets to the point right at the very beginning as he's talking about the kingdom of God and what it's like when God gets his way. He says this. He says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Now, in all of these stories that Jesus would tell, these parables, there's typically a God figure and then there's an us figure. And so it's not too hard to figure out, even from that setting, who's who in the equation. There's this wealthy man that represents God, and he goes away and he entrusts his wealth to managers or to servants to to manage it well while he's away. And uh, he goes on, the story tells us that uh, one of the managers just dug a hole and like buried it and just was like, I'm going to keep it safe. The other two managers went out and they invested and, and they had different returns and actually different amounts they received in the first place, but they went out. But here's maybe an obvious question at the start of this story. What percentage of the wealth belonged to the wealthy man? 
100%, right? It wasn't a trick question. Yeah, 100%. What percentage of the wealth belonged to the managers? Zero. Zero percent. Right? It wasn't their money. It wasn't their wealth. He asked them to manage it and then to report back to him when he returned. And two of them, like I said, were looking forward to that moment. One of them, not so much, because when uh, the rich man comes back, th there was one man who had buried it and had just hidden it away. There were two who invested it and they got a return on it. And do you know what made the difference between the master's reaction? It wasn't how much they were given. It wasn't even how much they got back necessarily, but it was what they did with what they were asked to manage. What made the difference is what they did with what they were asked to manage. And the point is 100% of it belonged to the master. 100% of it belonged to the master. And as it relates to your stuff and my stuff, you and I are managers. We are not owners. And we have a window of time to leverage what we've been trusted with for something hopefully that goes beyond us and something in a way uh, that we will give an account for. Uh, this is kind of a weird sidebar, I guess, in some ways, but this is one reason why I rarely talk about tithing here. It's not because I don't believe in it. I practice it. Tithing is giving 10% of your income back to the local church. I rarely talk about tithing because I think uh, often the, the concept of tithing, as we've tried to simplify it and, and kind of nudge people in that direction of practicing generosity, we often give a false impression that 100% of what we have is ours and, and that God is asking for this 10% back, right? Like 100% like of what we have is ours and God's like, oh, you just give me the 10, you can keep the 90. Like, fine, do what you want with it. And, and if we do that, like it gets us in this mindset as if we're the master and God's just like begging for us to do something. And then like, like if we actually do give 10% of our income back, it sometimes creates this picture like God is just so happy. And he's like, thank you so much. Like, thanks for the 10% back, and it's this impression that it's all ours and we give a percentage back to God. That's never how Jesus talked about money. That's never how Jesus talked about our relationship with our stuff. He taught that it is all God's, and we manage it. It's all God's, and we manage it for a limited amount of time, sometimes talking about tithing in that way. And again, I'm not against tithing or practicing generosity. In fact, I think like New Testament generosity goes far above and beyond 10%, but that's a different talk for a different day but it gives us this impression sometimes that it's ours and we owe a little bit back to God. And that's not how Jesus talked about it. Jesus said it's all God's and we manage it. A and what that means for us is that no matter how much you have, you shouldn't feel guilty. You shouldn't feel guilty about it because managers don't feel guilty about their master's riches, right? Managers don't feel guilty. What money managers do is they feel responsible and they feel accountable. Money managers feel responsible and, and they feel accountable. And I was thinking about this dynamic uh, this weekend. I watched a documentary about Mickey Mouse. I'm a Disney nerd and it just came out. It was Mickey's birthday recently. And so they released this documentary talking about Mickey through the years and starting with Walt Disney and how he created this character and kind of put his likeness in this character. And then eventually Walt passes away and, and other animators came along and they took up the mantle uh, of illustrating and, and moving the character of Mickey Mouse forward. And Mickey has become this character that means so much to so many of us. They were actually talking about like, what if aliens came in and they said, take me to your leader and we took him to Mickey because like he's everywhere and he's so beloved. But they were talking about the character of Mickey and, and these future generations of animators who are trying to continue the legacy of Walt Disney. And they said there was this phrase that the animators would say to one another. They would say, hey, we're just, <laughs> I'm crying about Mickey, sorry. They would say, we're just filling in for the boss. Right, Walt Disney started this thing but every animator would say, we're just filling in for the boss. 
We're just filling in for the boss. We're just moving it forward. That was powerful to me, thinking about an animated cartoon mouse. Okay, how much more true should that be of us who are Jesus followers, who believe that it's all God's? Your posture and your relationship with your money should look the very same way because the legacy is so much more significant, isn't it? I'm just filling in for the boss. I'm managing his resources for the time that I have to make the most impact that I possibly can. Like Jesus followers, this is a big deal. And, and it's a big deal because ultimately, we will give an account for what we did with it. And, and the reason that we should track where our money is going is because it's not our money. I, it's not ours. You ready for another cheesy rhyme or a different take on an earlier cheesy rhyme? Here's what I said earlier. Uh, what if we change it to this way, that we should be knowing where our master's money is going. We should be knowing where God's money is going because he's trusted it to us and he's asked us to invest it wisely. And so what that means for you and what that means for me is that we should stop every once in a while and we should pay attention, right? We should pay attention and we should create a system that helps us pay attention to where we're spending and how we're spending and the choices that we're making. Because if you don't, the choice will be made for you. You'll be mastered by your money instead of mastering your money along the way. And so we should stop every once in a while and we should take a look. And if you don't like what you see, we should adjust accordingly. We, we should make adjustments along the way. And, and this is so important, not because of the money, okay, not because of the stuff, but Jesus was so extraordinarily clear about this when he said this. He, he says how we manage our money actually speaks volumes about who and whose we are. How we manage our stuff speaks volumes about our character and our sense of belonging, who we are and whose we are. A and you've probably seen this before, haven't you? Uh, you've met somebody that maybe even never said the word Jesus to you and you didn't like sit down and have a theology conversation with them or anything like that. But when you looked at their life, you saw how extravagantly generous they were, whether it was through their resources or their time or even just extending kindness to you. You saw them and you thought, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. You've probably seen this true on the other side as well, right? Where maybe somebody talked a lot about Jesus. Maybe they even had a stage and a microphone. But then when you looked at what their life actually looked like, it was stingy. It was closed-fisted. It was, it was cruel. And you thought, I don't want anything to do with that. Right? That's not what I want life to be all about. The point is that how you manage your money speaks volumes about who you are and ultimately about whose you are. And so here's what we need to do. We've got to pay attention to where our money's going. A and if you do, you will live better and you will love better. If you pay attention, if you track this stuff, you will be more generous and you will be more responsible. You will be less fearful and more purposeful. So if money could talk, here's what I think money would say. Money would simply remind us what Jesus already taught us. Money would say, I can add meaning to your life, but I'm not the meaning of life and I am a better servant than I am a master. And here's the tension-filled part. Your self-control determines which of us gets control. And I'm easy to keep up with, but I'm difficult to catch up with. So we have to learn to manage this well, because ultimately what you choose to do with money speaks volumes to who you are and to whose you are. And as we wrap up, I know there's been a lot to, hey, we ought to do this <laughs> throughout this series for all of us, me too. I just wanted to wrap up, especially as we head into this week marked by gratitude and thanksgiving. I wanted to just say a huge thank you to those of you who do this so well. Those of you who are intentional and who are putting an effort in and who are working towards it and who have intentionally, specifically in our context, 
chosen to prioritize us in your generosity. You have no idea how much it matters. You have no idea how much it means, not just to me personally, but to all the people that we get to serve, all of the stories that you get to be a part of. And so I just want to say thank you to those of you who have gotten in the game, to those of you who have chosen to prioritize your spending and your life with that kingdom first, others first mentality. Thank you and keep going. And if you haven't gotten in the game yet, maybe you take the challenge. And for the next two months, you flip the script on your priorities and you keep track of where it's all going and you honor your heavenly father by stewarding and managing his resources well. Let me pray for you. God, um, again, this conversation, sometimes it seems simple. Often it feels tension-filled. It can really be difficult, but I think that's because you knew what we often experience, that our stuff can be the chief competitor for our hearts. And so, uh, God, I just pray for the person today who, if they're honest, uh, if money could talk, they know what it would say. And they know that it reveals that, that money has actually been in control rather than them. God, I pray that they could freshly surrender to you, not only for their eternity, not only for their needs in this moment, but with their stuff as well, that they would give you full access. And God, that we would be people who are good managers of your resources that you've trusted in us, that we would be wise investors in how we spend our time and our resources, that we would invest them in a way that we can be proud to give an account for in the end. God, use the gifts that we give and really the gifts that you've called us to be in a disproportionate way to who we are. As we know that when we put others first and we put your kingdom first, you multiply and you move in that way. And God, help all of us to take our next step in this arena of our lives, whatever it may look like. Give us clarity around what it is and give us courage to take it. We pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in or near the Peru, Indiana area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. To find directions, service times, and information about our environments for kids, visit us at storyperu.com.